0: would you take take your bibles and turn to genesis chapter one genesis chapter one it, it's very easy to find it's the very first chapter in your bibles go all the way to the left in your bibles by the way i'm going to say this again and forgive me if it sounds repetitive but i'm going to say it if you don't have a bible we will get you a bible you can take it home you, we want you to read it at home we want you to bring it back we want you to mark it up we want you to put notes in the margin, we want you to underline and highlight, we want you to memorize. We want God's Word to be so much a part of you that, that you just don't even want to go a day without it. And don't park it someplace and then pull it out on Sundays, but if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in about five different languages, and we will get you a Bible of your very own to keep. And so, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, for two weeks, beginning today, and into next Sunday, I am sharing from God's Word about marriage. Marriage. I'm sharing about marriage. Why God created marriage, and He did. And you'll see that here this morning. Why God created marriage. Why Satan hates marriage and wants to destroy it, by the way. How the Lord uses marriage to... To, to bless mankind. He does, and we'll see more of that next week. And 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 how he blesses marriage for his glory. And so I I this has been a, a couple of messages that have been in the works for some time. I, I never argue with the Lord because that is just foolish. I really I mean that's just I I've learned a long time ago, don't do that. But I I, I did struggle a little bit with this because I I you know you think, well, Lord, there's a, a lot of people who are not married or have never married and some who may never marry and some who were married but are not now for a variety of reasons. And and so, you know, you, 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 you say, but, but I know that this is what I'm supposed to bring this morning and I promise you both this week and next week, uh, there will be something here for you regardless of your marital status, it's for everyone because it affects all of us. Uh. To begin this morning, I, a few months ago, uh, on Wednesday night, we began a Bible study of the book of, of Genesis, right? right, where you're turned here. And Genesis, if you know anything about the book of Genesis, which by the way, is the, we, it's called the book of beginnings, that's what Genesis means, and in the book of Genesis, it begins with the creation account, how things came into being. Chapter 1 of Genesis records what was created on the various days of creation. There are 6 days that everything was created. And and chapter 1 goes day by day and it explains what was created and 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 to some degree, how it was created, usually by words. There was one exception on day six, but but how God, what God created on those various days, and then Genesis chapter two goes back and gives greater detail about mankind's creation. Mankind's creation. Now, um, regarding creation, let me just pause here with the text for a moment but regarding creation some of you may wonder um, because I don't know you you don't know me some of you may wonder pastor do you really believe in that that creation account and and the simple answer is yes absolutely I do every 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 word of it I do with everything in me I believe in every word this book, this book, the Bible that you hold in your hands, is absolutely true from the first words in the beginning to the very last word in the Bible, amen, and every word in between. And so if it says that this is what happened, then absolutely I believe in that. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say this. Uh, for for persons who say, well, listen, you know, I, I really, I, I don't understand uh, all of creation, and I don't know that I agree with it. Well, let me let me address that. First of all, I don't understand it, and, and I don't I don't have all of the answers in regards to how it was created. Everything that I'm supposed to know is recorded here, but uh, there are some questions that I have. I don't know, but someday if it's still important, I'll ask him. But 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 I believe that this is God's word, and that God speaks to us, and that it is very real. And, and for any person that would say, well, I don't believe in the creation account, did you know that in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus talks about the creation account. Jesus affirms the creation account. Jesus talks about Adam and Eve. And if he, if, if it's not true, then Jesus is a liar. <laughs> it's all true. So let me just say that about creation and then now now let's move on. In, in, in the greatest part of his creation happened on that sixth day of creation. The greatest part of his creation was when God created mankind. The greatest part of his creation was when God created mankind. He, he created man differently. He created man uniquely. He created man to rule over the earth and to be a, a steward of all that we see, all that we have. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 reads this way. So God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. I want you to see that verse. That's very important. You see, the only part of God's creation that was created in his image or, you know, similar to God, in his image, was mankind. All of animals and I, I I I love animals and I I, I we have a pet and, and, and you know, I like animals, I like to eat animals, I like all of those things. But 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 they are not on the same basis as mankind. I love nature. I love I love the, the, the plant life and I love I love the, the, the terrain and geography and I love all of God's creation but but it's not on the same level as mankind. Mankind is unique. Mankind alone is created in the image of God. I want you to understand that that that, that the that, that that we were uniquely created on day six. We are the pinnacle part of God's creation. Later in chapter 2, I mentioned that chapter 1 gives the the big picture view, and then chapter 2 goes back and and covers some of the details of of mankind's creation. In chapter 2 of Genesis, it records how God breathed life into a man, into mankind, and how God then created woman. We we have the, the, the breath of God in us. That's why we are eternal, because we have a spirit. Plants do not have a spirit. Animals do not have a spirit. But we have the spirit, and that is eternal because God breathed into mankind. We're unique. Now, some would say that is that is so, that is, there's a word for, uh, some people would say that, that's kind of, that's kind of a bit of a prideful thing to say that mankind is better than, than animal life or than all of creation, and, and there's a word for that, it's called anthropocentric it means that that mankind is is the greatest of creation but it's absolutely true because we were created in the image of God and we have the breath of God within us he breathed life into us made us unique chapter chapter 2 verse 23 contains the very first recorded words of any person and it was Adam saying this now this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh; she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Right. This, is, this, is not some, this is not some person who's grunting and, you know, just uh, can't communicate because of a limited brain. This was the first man, and he's talking about the first woman, and the first recorded I want you to see this, the first recorded words of a person he's talking about his wife he's talking about his wife and then this is in verse 24 the very next verse says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother there weren't other fathers and mothers yet that would come later. And this is not Adam speaking. This is, this, is, this, was added, this, was, this is talking about, again, big picture. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Verse 25, the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. I want you to notice, and you see these words before you, In verses 24 and 25, it calls the woman his wife. It doesn't say, verse 25, the man and his woman. It says the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. In verse 24, uh, be united to his wife. You see somewhere in there, and it's not recorded, and I don't know what it looked like, but somewhere in there, there was a wedding of sorts. This was a God-planned union, and God brought this man and this woman together, and, and he made them one. God made them one. Now, their wedding then does not look like a wedding now for several reasons. Number one, there was no preacher to, to unite them. It's no one else. It's just Adam and Eve. There was no bridesmaids. There were no groomsmen. There was no couple cute little kids who carried a, 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 a ring up the aisle and spread little flowers. So it wasn't like that. These were the only people. But I want you to notice here the use of the word wife. It's implied then, of course, that he was the husband. That Adam was the husband. These were people that were brought together by God. They were not man, just man and woman. They were certainly that, but it was not the man and his woman. It was the man and his his wife. This shows us that the very first institution of society, the very first coming together of any group for any purpose was not a government. It was not a corporation or a partnership. It was not even a community. It was not even a church. The first institution of society that God created was a marriage. I want you to see that. In this book of beginnings, in the first and in the second chapters of the entire book, God establishes the fact that he honors and blesses marriage. I want you to see here, just from this text, there's others. I want you to see here that marriage was God's plan. He created marriage. He blesses marriage. He affirms marriage. Now, because God blesses it, because God created it, because God affirms it, you can be sure that Satan hates it because he hates God, he hates marriage. From the very beginning, Satan has been attacking marriage and mocking marriage and trying to redefine marriage. Now, this is Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And you can read on from there all the way to the right, all the way to the, through the end of the book. And you will see God's plan and God's purpose for marriage throughout. And you will see a lot of really great examples, and you'll see some really lousy examples of marriage. I'm very grateful that the Bible accounts both. It shows both. It shows the really good and the really life-affirming and the really blessing of marriage, and you'll see some that were just absolutely wretched. You'll see both. But God's value on marriage, his, can I use this word, his celebration of marriage did not end in the book of Genesis. Jesus is God, and the very first miracle that Jesus performed—you know where that happened? It happened during a marriage, or actually just following a marriage during the the, the reception or the the, the wedding feast. John chapter 2, the first miracle that Jesus performed happened to be, it, it, was, it was almost, I, I look at this and I go, that was almost, in a sense, God affirming the very first union, the very first institution in the book of Genesis, that, that same kind of thing was happening in the very first miracle that Jesus performed was at a wedding. That's an affirmation of wedding. He, he, he honored it, he blessed it, he took part in it. Later in his ministry, in Luke chapter 14, it records that when Jesus taught how God wanted more people in his kingdom, that, that he, he, he did not look at people simply by classification of, of, of class status, but rather he wanted more people into his kingdom He likened it to a wedding feast where everyone was invited, that they were to go out and they were to bring in anyone, even off the road, because he wants everyone as a part of his kingdom. And the way that he used to illustrate that, Jesus used to illustrate it, was through a wedding feast. It's a special thing. Also, when Jesus spoke, and you'll find this again and again, but when Jesus spoke of his relationship with his followers... Initially 12 followers, but it soon became much more than that. And now it numbers in the multiple millions throughout time. Tens and hundreds of millions, maybe billions. Only God knows the number in the last 2,000 years. But when Jesus spoke of his relationship with his followers, he frequently likened it to a marriage. How believers in Christ are considered the bride, And that he is the husband or the bridegroom. That's what he used to describe his relationship with us. It's amazing how much Jesus talked. He was a person who never married, at least in the sense that we understand, as as far as husband and wife. But he was married to the church. He was married. He he felt this. this, For someone who never married a woman, he, he, he talked a lot about marriage, his relationship with us. We're the bride, we're the bride, he's the groom. We see this in, listen to this, Matthew 9, Mark 2, Luke 5, Ephesians 6, 2 Corinthians 11, and in Revelation chapters 18, 19, 21, and 22. That is the very last chapter of the Bible, and what is he doing? He's talking about how his church is like the bride and he is the groom. Do you know, you know what the first thing that we do when we gather together in heaven? When all of God's people throughout time gather together who, who know God, who trust God, who, 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 ha- who are under the blood of Jesus Christ, who are saved. When we all gather together, you know what the first thing that we're going to do? We're going to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's where the, the groom the bridegroom, that Jesus is going to come together with his bride, and it's going to be awesome. So literally, literally, from the first to the last chapter of the Bible, we see that God is really big on marriage. I I, I want to take the time this morning to establish this, this biblical fact that God is really big on marriage. It's important to him. It's essential to him. And so it must be, therefore, important for those who trust in him. Marriage. Don't shout out. Don't, don't raise your hands. This is just something for you to consider. What do you think about marriage? And what do you think about marriage? What, what is your feeling about This thing that we've all heard of, many of us have taken part. What do you think about about marriage? I said a moment ago, I said a moment ago that Satan hates marriage. God loves marriage. He talks about it from the beginning to the end of the word of God. But Satan hates marriage. He attacks it he mocks it he'll attempt to redefine it remember how people were created in god's image you have to understand that satan hated god hates god and because he hated god when he saw the epitome of god's creation that was created in his image he hated them When he saw this man and this woman come together, not as just man and woman, but as husband and wife, he hated that. He hated that because these people created in God's image, brought together in God's plan, Satan wants to do everything he can to destroy it. He hates it. He hates marriage, all that it represents. He attacks it. He mocks it. And he tries to redefine it. let's talk about the attacking part for just a moment. Um, divorce attorneys these would be the uh, again the the lawyers who 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 uh, specialize in figuring out all the difficult things, and so many of you have experienced this, and it's a hard thing have they They walk people through the disillusion of a marriage. Divorce attorneys carefully study the factors that contribute to the end of a marriage. They they know percentage-wise, and a lot of studies have been done on this, they they know the factors that contribute to the end of a marriage. Listen to this. 75% 75 of persons who divorce say a lack of commitment is a leading factor within marriage this thing that God desires the thing this thing that God blesses a lack of commitment on one part or the other is a leading factor in 75% of the end of marriages infidelity infidelity is a fancy word of saying adultery or unfaithfulness within marriage that a husband is sleeping with someone other than his wife. That a wife is sleeping with someone other than her husband. Infidelity is a factor in 55%, is a leading factor in 55% of divorces. Satan hates marriages, he hates it. And so many things are used to destroy marriages. Domestic violence and abuse is a leading factor not the leading factor always, but it is a leading factor in 25% of divorces. Husband and wife come together in marriage and yet one is abusive towards the other, sometimes both. This one. Pornography is a significant contributor to around 60% of marriages ending in divorce, 60%. Pornography is pernicious. It's destructive. It doesn't just bind a person in lust, but it's a leading factor in the destruction of marriage. Satan is attacking marriages. Those are just a few statistics that I could give. But Satan is attacking marriages. He's using one thing or another or a multiple number of things to destroy, to break down to damage and to attack marriages. I'm not giving you anything good yet, any good news yet, but but let me be very clear on something. If you're married, Satan is attacking, your. he wants to attack your marriage. He will do everything he can to destroy that marriage. He will do everything he can to, to break it down and to be far less than what God desired it to be. Now let me, before I move on from here, I want to be very clear on something. (laughs) The Bible says that God hates marriage. Well, of course He hates marriage. Uh, Excuse me. The Bible says that God hates divorce. And of course He hates divorce. But I've yet to meet a person who's gone through divorce who loved it. People who have suffered through that. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 19, that divorce happens because of the hardness of people's hearts. You go into any end of any marriage and at least one member of that marriage had a hard heart. Sadly, there are people that go through things and they don't want it. They they, they fight against it. They they don't want it to happen. They do everything they can to save a marriage and and, and yet it, it happens because... Of the hardness of people's hearts. Before we go on, I want to I want to assure you, I am not here this morning to condemn. I am not here to bring you back into a, a, a place of, of absolute guilt. I am saying that that Jesus can heal, but but if you are married, I also want you to understand that Satan wants to destroy your marriage. Understand that. He hates it. He hates it because People were created in the image of God. And when people come together in marriage, God's plan, in God's plan, he wants to destroy that. Many here have been deeply wounded by sustained attacks on marriage. Before we're done today, we're going to be praying. You're going to be praying together for marriages you're going to be praying some of those of you that are married you're going to be praying for your spouse some of you have have been deeply deeply wounded by sustained attacks on your marriage i have some really here's some really good news and that is this jesus heals marriages And Jesus heals people. Just a few moments ago, we were praying for people around these altars. Oftentimes, we pray for people with sick bodies. Thank God he answers those prayers, and we pray in faith believing. But God also heals marriages. I want you to hear that. Satan also mocks marriage. He belittles it. He minimizes it. Marriage has become an easy target for humor. It's become an easy target for derision. How many, how many programs on, on either film or TV or some form of media, how many programs or films have made marriage into a contest, into a trial run, or into a parody? L- hear me, church. Don't watch anything that minimizes this godly thing called marriage. Have nothing to do with it. I'm going to go so far as to say this. If you're hanging around a person who's constantly belittling marriage, then I would not have a whole lot to do with that person as well. That's pretty strong. But the enemy hates marriage so much that he'll belittle it and he'll mock it and he'll make it into the the butt of people's jokes. Please do not belittle or ridicule marriage. Don't have any part in that. It is something that is created and blessed by God. I said that he hates it, he attacks it, he mocks it, Satan is also tempted to to redefine marriage. We've seen this in recent years. We've seen it and we'll see it more and more. It was just about four years ago, I think four years ago this summer, that a Supreme Court decision made so-called gay marriage the law of our land. That was a painful day. I know that it had been around for a long time and the people had been advocating for 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 a long time, but that was a hard day. Because suddenly something was now legal, and I understand society and I understand people who do not have the understanding of truth based upon Jesus Christ and for many people legality equals morality. That was a hard day. And yet the attempted normalization of homosexual union has been Satan's game plan since the very beginning. Remember remember God brought them together. They were created in the image of God. God brought a man and a woman together and Satan hates that. Now, again, ministry to persons who are bound in any kind of sexual sin, including homosexuality, has been and will be the subject of another message. I've preached on this many times before. Thank God there is healing and there is hope for any person bound in any kind of sexual sin. Do, you need to reject anybody that, that says that, that if you are this way that you cannot change. By the power of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and who took the, the, the stripes on his back for the healing of our bodies and our minds, I believe that Jesus can still heal people today. So hear me on that. I can't take the time this morning. I have limited time. But there is hope and there is healing and there is restoration and there is victory for any person bound in any kind of sexual sin. But I point out again Genesis chapter 2. We read it earlier, verse 24. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And they will become one flesh. I I, I understand it is legal for persons of the same sex to marry. I know that. I don't like it, but I, I, I know that. But it is not marriage to God. Hear me on that. It is not marriage to God. It's not his plan. Regardless of what the laws of the land or whoever says that it is. Now, a moment ago, stay with me on this. A moment ago, I listed some factors that can (coughs) contribute to divorce. I gave you some of those statistics on abuse and infidelity and pornography. I, I gave you some of those. And yet, divorce rates are actually decreasing. Divorce rates are actually going down significantly they are decreasing because the percentage of persons who are cohabiting or living together but who are not married is drastically increasing that's why and you're going well that sounds good no 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 it's not good because this too is an attempt to redefine marriage maybe you never looked at it that way before You thought the redefinition of marriage is is just an attempt to say that men can marry men, women can marry women, and give it time, they can marry other things. You thought that's the only attempt to redefine marriage? It's not. There are also people that say, well, we can live together, we can sleep together, We can buy a home together. We can do everything together without marriage. That too is an attempted redefinition of marriage. You can go through all of the motions and say, this is is just like a marriage, but it's not marriage. It's not people coming together and say, we commit to each other for life in Jesus Christ. Do not attempt to call that thing marriage. It's not. Don't attempt to redefine it as such. I know I'm going to get some pushback on this, but I, I must bring truth. Back in Genesis, it talks about a man and his wife that God blessed marriage. We see this throughout Scripture. It's always blessed And any other attempted redefinition of it is not blessed, it's cursed. The percentage of young and middle-aged Americans who are cohabiting has doubled in the past 25 years. By age 12, 40% of children spend some time living with parents who are cohabiting. Now you may say, wait a minute, they're a man and a woman in a heterosexual relationship who love each other and are committed to each other and care for each other. And, and I and I and I love I love commit love and I, and I love commitment and I love to see people care for each other. That the world around us will loudly declare that that is essentially marriage. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called, up to, li- we are called to lift up what God has declared to be so. We are, we are called as followers of Jesus Christ to raise up a standard and say, this is what God's word says marriage is, and that is not. It's hard. It's hard for me to say. It's hard for some to hear. But do not, please, do not attempt to redefine, by the standards of our world, what marriage is and what marriage is not. I have seen what marriage can do. Oh, believe me, as a pastor, I have walked the journey with people, and my heart is broken. My heart is absolutely broken. I have walked some journeys with some of you, been here a long time, and I've walked some journeys with some of you that my heart just broke. And it still breaks. When I hear how it, it, that marriage is not or was not what God intended, that it did not become all that God, my heart has broken. But nevertheless, even though I've seen a lot of heartbreak with that, nevertheless, I still believe in this thing called marriage. Still believe in the power of it, the difference that it makes in people's lives. I've seen what marriage can do, the haven it can become. The life and the vitality it can bring. The family that it can carefully and lovingly nurture. The way it can shape people and make them more like Christ. The way it can shape the world around them. Greatest thing that ever happened to me. I don't even remember how old I was. but I was just a little boy. The greatest thing that ever happened to me is when I asked Jesus into my heart. Nothing changed me from that day to this day and for the rest of my life. Nothing will change me more than that decision. The other decision that I made was to marry that woman right there. Nothing has shaped me and changed me more than that. This is not about giving kudos to my wife. I just... I know from personal experience, is is it always easy? No. Are there challenges? Of course. But I've I've seen how God has changed me, softened me, and opened my eyes to some things because of marriage. I love marriage. in months in my own family and in my church family I have seen vows that were made a long time ago kept under some of the most difficult situations I've seen wives care for their husbands Husbands care for their wives. Who love their spouse like Christ loves his church, sacrificially. I think I've shared this story before just a few years ago. Um, about 40 years ago, 40 no longer than that forty five years ago forty six forty seven years ago we were my dad was without a job we'd lost our business and but my dad understood um my dad understood some things about mobile homes and how to fix things. One of the jobs that he took on just to keep groceries for the family was to uh pilot lights would go out in some government housing that had been brought in after a big flood in rapid city and the wind was just right, it would blow out these things. And my dad <coughs> invented a little thing that would, that would uh, quickly relight these, very difficult to light. And so he was in great demand. People would call him. One day he got a phone call from a, my dad got a phone call from a woman. He did not know, but she says, would you come? And my, my dad uh, told us at supper that night, my, he, he went to this woman's house and she, she uh, answered the door with uh, hardly anything on. And my dad, um, my dad, uh, you know, he's got his little tools and he got a, and he uh he he turned around and he ran. And he said that he told us at supper that night, he says, I heard that woman laughing at me. He says, I'd rather be laughed at than be a fool. And then he said this. You have to understand my dad. He says, he says, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. Um he said He said when the gal called up and said, "Um, I need you to light my fire, I didn't know that that's what she meant. (laughs) Uh, Can we remove that from the recording? Can we just take that out? Because my mom's going to listen to this. I know she is. I don't know who that woman was. She wouldn't have kept the vows. She wouldn't have kept the vows, any vows that they would have made. But my mom did. She cared for my dad right up to the very end. I'm so glad that my dad ran. You see, I've seen so many good marriages. I've seen so much of what so many of you have done. I've I've walked with you. And I've seen you stand over the grave of a loved one, some of many of you, but you kept those vows. And marriage changed your life. Jesus changed your life more than anything, but marriage changed your life. Satan wants to attack it. He wants to ridicule it. He wants to minimize it, marginalize it because he hates you and he hates marriage. He wants to He's trying to redefine it. Don't let him. Don't call something that God says is not blessed a marriage. Hear my heart. This is something that God talked about at the very beginning to the very end of his word. Again, this is only half of the message. Next week is going to be the second half. And, and I want you here. If you're single and you're thinking, ah, it doesn't relate to me. No, you come. It relates to every one of us. Also next week, hear me, very important. Also next week, next one week from today, here in this place, we will have a time where husbands and wives come to the front of this sanctuary for a time of blessing. Please, I will not embarrass you. There will be nothing that happens here. There will be many people down around these altars. But if you are married, I want you to come. I want you to, if, if necessary, say, well, I'm work, I want you to rearrange your schedule. I want you to talk. If you're married, I want you to talk to your husband or your wife. And I want, I want them to be here. Maybe they've never been here. I want them to be here. And we're going to gather here at this and, and we're going to ask a special blessing upon. Now, some of you may have been married a long time ago. Some of you may have been married just in the last couple weeks or the last couple months. Doesn't matter. God honors marriage. We're going to ask God's. So I want you to come. So are you ready? And so please do that. I want you to come. Now, earlier, we're going to close. Again, this is just half next. Part two next week. Um, I want us to do this. Uh, some, of you have, some of you have really gone through an attack, and some of you uh, right now are looking at us a, a husband or a wife. I don't know all the details, don't need to know all the details, but there has been a wound, there's been an injury, and, uh, and there needs to be a healing. I know that not everyone is seated next because for various reasons. But if you're sitting next to your your husband or your wife, would you just reach over and take their hand right now? Just just go ahead and do that. Now, if perhaps, if perhaps, um, your husband or your wife you're married, and perhaps your husband or your wife is uh, is not here, here's what I'd like you to do. Just as a point of contact, I want you to put your hand on your ring finger, rings that, that there. Just put your other hand on it like this. And let's pray for healing. You see, I, I mentioned earlier that Jesus is our healer. And Jesus is a restorer. Some of you went through the, the, the devastation and the shredding of divorce. It still hurts. In some ways, it may always hurt. But I want you to know that Jesus has a healing for you, that this is not your You will not be defined by this. And so I want you to pray with us too. Some of you, we're going to pray for all these. Some of you are saying, Lord, I want to be married. It's not there yet. And I want you to agree with us. But if you're married this morning, take the hand and you're sitting there, take their hand. If they're not here, then just put your hand over that ring finger. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you celebrated marriage. That you lifted marriage up. It was so important to you. And if it was important to you, then it better be important to us. And so Jesus, we thank you for that husband beside us, that wife beside us. Maybe they're not here. We thank you for them. They're some miles away, some distance away. They're not with us for whatever reason. Lord, we pray for them. I thank you, Jesus. I pray that you would heal that husband, that you would heal that wife, and that you would heal that marriage. That the powerful God that we sang of this morning, and we've spoken of and we've seen through your word, that you would do a healing. We thank you for our husband and for our wife. We thank you that, Lord, even though the the beginning of that marriage may have been under a lot of different, any number of different circumstances, we believe, God, that, that you bless marriage. And so, Lord, we pray for a healing within marriage. We thank you. Thank you. you stand with me across this sanctuary please and now Lord as we go into a new week I pray you'd bless us and use us Jesus that you would go before us that we will be salt and light in this world that we will be your change agents this world has bought into so many lies and Lord, we, we're bringing truth. This world has says one thing is right and another is wrong. And we're coming to say this is what God's word says. So use us for your glory. I thank you for every person who's here. I ask Jesus that above all else, they will know you as their Savior and as their Lord. That even right now, even at the very close of this service, if they do not yet know you, they will sim- simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the dead for me. And so I give my life to you. Lord, I pray that. I pray that any person within the sound of my voice, either here today or even in a recording, Lord, will pray that simple prayer and you'll answer it. I know you will. Someday, Lord, we're going to gather together in heaven. We're going to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So very grateful, Lord, that I'm a part of the bride, a part of the body of Christ, that, 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 that you gave yourself for us. Thank you, Lord. And it's in that strength and because of that that we can go into this week with confidence, with boldness. Help us, Lord, to love you more. Help us to love others more. Help us to share you more. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name.